Crestmont. I am John Weber. I'm one of the elders here at the church, and it's just a joy to, to be here with you on this Christmas Eve. It's an interesting thing. This morning, I was out on my sidewalk, and I was out there because I was going to move a car so my mom could pull in closer to the house. And I sat there on the sidewalk. A lady pulls up that I don't know, rolls down her window and says, hey, are you a preacher? And I said, well, this morning I am. <laughs> well, just some housekeeping before we get into Matthew, and then we're going to get into to Micah. I see the kids are here, and the kids are upstairs today. And so I know that the kids normally go up, but I want you guys to pay attention to me today. So in each pew, I put a couple papers that have sermon notes that have blanks in it. And this is for kids or anyone, but if you fill in those blanks that after the sermon, my daughter Annalisa, she has a, a, a treat bag. So if you fill in the blanks after the sermon, you can go get a treat. It's first come, first serve. So adults, if you want to beat the kids to the treat bag, now there's two in every pew. If you look around, you can find some. The ones in the front never go. So anyway, amen. Let's turn to, to Matthew chapter 2. We have been going through the, the, the story of Christmas out of Matthew, and we've been looking at some of the Old Testament passages. And so we're going to start off in the Matthew 2, and we're going to be reading 4 to 12. Um, so as we read this, and just honor the word, uh, can we just uh, stand as we read this? Uh, look at it's up there. This is, this is what happens when you get certain ages. You have to put these on, too. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judea. Because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was, the star that they had seen in the east. It led them until, until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. You may be seated. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that your word is anointed and mighty and that we can learn from it. I just pray as I open the word today and, and share on the word today, God, that you would anoint me. And Lord God, let the words of God flow through me this day. Lord God, those things that are not of you, let them just go to the wayside. 
In your precious name, Jesus, amen, amen. So here we have the story. The, the wise men are coming, the magi are coming, and they're looking for Jesus. So they go to Herod and ask Herod where, where he is, because Herod should know. And so Herod doesn't know, but he asks the scribes, and the scribes tell them this scripture. They quote this scripture, which we're going to get to in a minute. And so they go and they find Jesus, and, and they present him the gifts. This story is important for two reasons here. One, one, it shows us that Jesus is worthy of royal honor from humanity. I mean, these are the wise men. They come, and they're, they're coming in a very royal way to find the king. So Jesus is worthy of kingship. Jesus is worthy of honor like that. The second thing that's important in this story is that, that Jesus' lordship is open to all people because the Magi were not Jews. So Jesus' lordship is open to Gentiles also. I'm not a Jew, but I can serve and know Jesus as Lord, and that's an awesome thing. And so, so here, that's, that is, is part of that that in God's redemptive plan, everyone's included. Now, it's interesting, you know, and I'm just going to mention this as a side, the, the three objects, the three treasures that were given, they, they gave him uh, gold, which represents kingship. They gave him frankincense, that represents priestly role. They gave him myrrh, which is prefiguring into the death of Christ because this was a, a spice that was used for a balming. So here we go into the story, and the, the, the wise men saw Jesus. They worshiped Jesus, and then they had a dream not go back to Herod, and so they left. And, and because they didn't go back to Herod, Herod never found or heard their report. So let's back up a little bit here in the story. In, that, in Matthew passage, Herod asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And he went to the scribes, the people that were educated, the scholars in his court, and they pulled out from the book of Micah this passage about Bethlehem. And it's interesting. If we go, we're going to be reading some of Micah in a minute. But Micah was one of the minor prophets, and, and Micah prophesied in that day um, against Israel and against Jerusalem. Micah's name means who is like the Lord. Micah prophesied judgment on the leaders and the wicked oppressors and spoke of a faithful remnant of the Messiah. Right in the beginning of Micah 1, uh, 1 it says this. Um, the word of the Lord came to Micah of Morris in the days of Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. He saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear all you peoples, listen, O earth, and all that is in it. Let, let the Lord God be a witness against you the Lord from his, his holy temple. So you see in this, this passage, Micah is warning 
the people primarily directed to the leaders in Judea and Samaria. And the prophet warns the people against their false assumptions and that God will protect them just because they had the temple. You know, it's not a very hopeful start if you read Micah. It's actually a lot of, hey, you need to get it right. And he says basically this, it doesn't matter that you have the temple of God in your midst if your hearts aren't turned to him. You know, and I look at this, and it doesn't matter if we go to church every Sunday. That will not protect us if our hearts are not turned to him. And as it goes on in Micah, Micah goes on and talks about these things and talks about how the wicked are oppressed. I mean, how the wicked oppressed the good. And, and then he gets to this point that there is a coming Messiah. The Tyndall commentaries, uh, the Tyndall commentaries title the section of Matthew, I mean Micah 5 as the once and future king. I like that because I, I imagine that here Jesus was in heaven and through him, the Bible says, through him, everything was created and he took on flesh and became a baby. But he didn't stay a baby, and he grew up to be a king. So he was there, king in creation. He took on flesh, and he is now king in heaven. Let's read the Micah passage here. It's Micah 5. You guys can stay seated for this. And we're going to read 2 to 5. And this is what they quoted to Herod. Bethlehem, Aphrodite, you are small among the clans of Judah, one will come from you to be a ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from iniquity, from eternity. Therefore, he will abandon them until the time when she is, who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd them. Listen to this. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of Yahweh. In the majestic name of Yahweh, his God, they will live securely, for, for then his greatness will be extended to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Well, we know this for a fact, that Micah's prophecies came true. All his prophecies against Jerusalem and Samaria came true. It came true that there was a faithful remnant that was still, still honoring God. And it came true, and we just talking about it this Christmas Eve, it came true that Jesus was born. All these things have taken place. And we know that. We hear this every Christmas. We know that the Lord came. So this Christmas Eve, it comes to the point of this. So what? All these things happen. What does it mean? We can go from this place and, and, man, just love that last Christmas song. Love the Christmas reading. Love that quote from um, uh, Chris Wright, Welcome to the World. What a, what a sweet reading. 
We can know all these things, but what does it really mean to us? I've known the Christmas story since a child. My family, we used to do this in our house. Every night we would light these candles and have a different reading. By the time we were done, that first candle was like a nub. I know the Christmas story. So what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to us? I want to go back a little bit and look a little more about Micah. If we look in Micah, in, in just four, uh, 4 and 5, it says this. He will stand and shepherd them. Amen. And then, then it says they will live securely. And then verse 5. He will be their peace. He will be their peace. Today, I don't know what's going on in your life. And you could be in here, and Christmas season is not a time of joy. It's a time of heartache. You could be in here, and it's, wow, your family's around. You could be in here thinking, tomorrow I have to have Christmas dinner with, you know, weird Uncle Bob. No, uh, no offense, Bobs. So, whatever. You know, you could be realizing that Christmas is not necessarily a peaceful time, but a stressful time. But here in the Scripture, Micah writes this, is that, the shepherd that's coming, the Lord's that coming, he will be our peace. He will be our peace. See, today we can have the peace of God. Amen. Now, Pastor Joel did such a great job last week, and that was great with his key story. I have my own key story, so I want to share it. My dad worked for United Airlines. And so we got to go on pretty cool trips. And so United Airlines did have a rule that if you flew on their dime, that you had to put a suit and tie on. And so one year, when I was uh, an older teen, my parents decided to take us to Hawaii. This is great. Okay, we're going to go to Hawaii. We even got, my dad was a union guy, so he, he picked the job by seniority. So he, we always got vacation during school because the summer, the senior people picked it. So we were going to get out of school and go to Hawaii. So I, we get our suits on, and we're flying to Hawaii, and we go through the motions. We get the suit. We get to Hawaii. We get to the rental car, and my brother and I are saying, we're in Hawaii. We're in a suit. The girls, the girls, they could wear sundresses. I mean, they, they're dressed up in a sundress. I'm in a suit. So, so as soon as we get the rental car, my brother and I, we're starting to, to bother my dad. Oh, can we change? Can we change? Can we change? So we pull over this nice view area. It's not an official one. And, and we pull over in this place, and we're looking at the view, and my dad says, there's some bushes over there. Now, I grew up in western Pennsylvania. Where I grew up, bushes were privacy. So my dad's like, there's some bushes over there. You and your brother can go change. So he gives me the car keys. He gives me the car keys. And I get my change of clothes out of the trunk of the car. My brother and I run down to the bushes. We change. I come back up, 
and I'm in my shorts and sandals, and I sit on the wall and like, there's Hawaii, there's the ocean. And my dad comes and taps me on the shoulder and says, John, where's the car keys at? And it's that moment that I realized I had put the car keys in my suit pocket. And I locked my suit pocket in the trunk of the car. So here my dad, who worked night shift, got up and didn't get up in the morning, got off night shift, got all his family on a plane, flew to Hawaii, and now was looking to take a nap. And I locked the keys in the trunk of the car. This is before cell phone. We're out in the middle of a road in, 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 in not even an official rest stop. And I locked the keys in the car. At that moment, I needed peace with my father. I needed peace. I need, he was not happy. And the reality is this. Sometimes in our lives, this is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We know that there's something amiss and that we need peace with Him. And that's the cool thing about this Christmas story is that He came to give us peace. See, today, we can have peace with God. It's interesting in the Christmas story, the angels came and they declared to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill towards men. A lot of people take that as there's going to be no wars. But we know for the fact since that day there's been a lot of wars. The exciting thing about that angel proclamation is that there is peace towards Men between God. The peace we have now is not between other people, but it's between God and man. He came to give us peace. We can have peace with God. We can have peace in our situation. You might be here today and you're not knowing what you should do with your situation. Today, you need to know that you can have peace in your situation, no matter what you're going through. John 14, 27 says this, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I don't know what you're going through today, but there is peace that's beyond your situation. And it's a peace that doesn't come from man. I like cowboy movies. And in cowboy movies, there's always a peace treaty that is broken, right? They're always going to war because they broke the peace treaty. And it was usually the white man that did it, which is historically true. And in this passage in John, it says, the peace I leave you is not as the world gives. There's a lot of people that are going to fail you. Christ will not. Philippians 4 says about this peace, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts 
in your minds in Christ Jesus. And the third thing here, we can, ha- we can share peace with others. And Hebrews says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And Proverbs says this, something that, that my grandfather used to quote, quote all the time. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. What's the opposite of wrath? Peace. Peace. So this Christmas, where do you stand? This Christmas, do you need peace? Do you need peace with God? Do you need peace with others? I know sometimes we have co-workers and relatives that sometimes we don't see eye to eye. We need peace with them. Do you need peace in your own situation? If we look at the, the, the king that the wise men worshipped, he was a peacemaker. Other scriptures call him the prince of peace. He was a peacemaker. We need to come today not to a baby in a manger or an idea of Christmas. We need to come to the king who will stand and shepherd us in, strength, in the strength of Yahweh. In him, we will live securely, and he will be our peace. Wow. You know, today, we started off talking about the wise men. They gave gifts. They gave gifts to the baby Jesus. Today, we need a gift exchange. Okay? Today, we need a gift exchange in your life if you are struggling in these areas. And I don't care how long you've been going to church. We have these areas. We need a gift exchange today. And this is what needs to happen There's a song that was popular a couple years ago. It says, I'm trading my sorrow. We need to come to the manger. We need to come to the king of of peace today. We need to trade our sorrows. We need to trade our shames. We need to trade our sickness. We need to trade our pain and receive the gift of peace. The songwriter wrote to joy. But so often today we go through life and Christmas doesn't mean anything to us. It's something that we do in a tradition. It's something that's nice. And it is nice. There's a lot of great Christmas traditions. But what really matters for us to give him everything and allow him to provide us with his peace. Listen. Listen to the old hymn of the church. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And listen to this first verse, what it says. Oh, what peace we often forfeit 
Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So today on your journey, today whatever you're going through, today if you're having issues in home, today if you're having issues at work, today if you feel separate from God, it's time to do a gift exchange. It's time to go to God and say, God, I don't feel right. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel holy enough. I don't feel... It doesn't matter what our feelings are. He wants to take them. He wants to take all of our pain. He wants to take the heartache. And he wants to leave us a gift of peace. And the good thing about this thing, this is something that is shareable. When you receive that peace with God, you can then go and share it with others. I love my wife. 30 years ago today, I went and asked his, her dad for her hand in marriage. And so we got engaged on Christmas Eve. 30 years. A lot of times in our home, it has not been peaceful. It's my fault most of the time. Guys, it's always our fault. No, it's my fault most of the time. But when we come and rest in Jesus, we can then share that peace. We find peace with God. We can find peace with others. So I challenge you today, this Christmas, don't think of the baby Jesus. Think of the king that wants to shepherd us with the strength of the Lord. Think of the king who became our peace.